Let's open our Bibles to uh, the book of Mark, chapter 9. And then last night, how many of you were here last, were there last night? Just raise your hands. So some of you may have. So I just want to hit a couple points that we did last night. Uh, not dwell on that, but just go to the next step. And literally, just want to share about 15 minutes. And then I just want to open it up and just get some feedback from everybody. And we can just do a wrap, okay? So uh, Matthew chapter 9. And we talked last night about um, looking unto the unseen. And so I'm just going to do a real quick recap of some of the things I said last night and then to hit a few points. And if I could ask my wife for a bottle of water, that'd be great. Um, last night we said a few things. And um, yeah, Brandon, I really just sense the Lord is doing something sweet in the midst. And you know what it is? Um, I think it's when you have a group of people that are making hard decisions in their life for Christ. Not necessarily hard, but just decisions not for the flesh, but they're making decisions for Christ. When you have a group of people like that, God's going to anoint that group. It's nothing to do with me or the name of anything, but it's really uh, something that a work of God is anointed because people are anointed. It's not because we got a super program where we got a slick worship thing going on, but it's because people are anointed. And God doesn't anoint necessarily... The mighty, the gifted, the talented, you do you see that, the rich, the, the able. But God is using the foolish things of this world to confound the, to confound the wise. And so if, you're, if your life sometimes looks a little goofy and you think, <laughs> Michael's laughing back there. If you feel like things are kind of goofy in your life and you're like, what, me? That's exactly God, what God wants to use in your life. Because uh, you in all of our, I don't know what's happening or I don't, you know, uh, our struggles, that your life, every time you get up in the morning and your, heat, your feet hit the ground and you just accept by faith who you are in Christ, uh, you're defeating the devil and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. And you're just kind of, you're at Starbucks buying a coffee and, or I'm sorry, at Hebrews buying a coffee at the trailer. <laughs> and, uh, oh, God, forgive me. All right. All right, okay. I'm going to end the sermon right now. We're going we're gonna to have... Somebody else take over here. But you know, you and I, we're already in Christ's uh, success story. And we haven't even done anything. We don't need to worry about what we are doing or what we're not doing. Christ has done it. And somebody say, well, that's dangerous. You can't say that. No, it's just the opposite. When you tell somebody who they are in Christ, there's going to be a brand new motivation and a brand new inertia in their life. So, um, so we are talking about God who is in an eternal state. God lives in eternity. When we talk about eternity... Eternity, the eternal state of God. And please don't get shut, don't shut down your mind when we talk about eternal things just because it's not in our 3D world, but just intentionally focus because I'm only going to speak for a few minutes. God is an eternal state, and that means that he's not limited by time. God's not getting older and he's not getting younger. He is what he is. And that means that if we are in Christ, then we are not limited by the confines of time. We are not limited by the confines of our physical physical universe. Uh, we are not limited to what we can or cannot do. We are we live we are in Christ, and Christ is in God, and so we are in this eternal state with God. And so every aspect about God, I get that. That's the first thing. God is in eternal state. Second thing is everything that God does in your life and in my life is eternal. Now, what does that mean? It means that it can't be quantified, it can't be categorized, it can't be described, and it can't be stereotyped. 
by anything in this world. The only word that I think that we can use in our, in our language to describe God and the work of God in our life is above and beyond anything we could ask or think. So God, what, so the, the nature of God, his, his faithfulness, his patience, his grace, his favor, his justice, his holiness, his wrath, his joy is not limited to anything that's in this world. And therefore, it's not limited to anything that you and I can or, ne- or do not do. God is who he is, and this universe cannot even contain him, contain him. And yet the writer of the book of Psalms, David, writes this, Who is man in Psalm chapter 8 that you would be mindful of me? And another portion of scripture, it says that God has to humble himself in extreme humiliation to even look down into this creation. That's how great God is. Yet he does that because he loves us. And he sent his son to become one of us in our very broken, dirty, messed up world. And he took upon himself all of our brokenness and became sin for us in Romans chapter 8, verse 3 and 4, who knew no sin. And so God is in this eternal state. That means what God is doing in your life cannot be measured. That means it's not going to start. It's not going to end. Like we say, okay, I don't know if you've ever had this thought. Uh, life is good, but I'm just preparing for the impact. It can't be good all the time. It's going to end at some point, right? The grace is going to run out. The unemployment checks are going to stop. <laughs> They're starting up again. Uh, the good stuff, it's not going to last forever. That's just the flesh trying to measure the goodness and the kindness of God. And you can't do that because God is eternal. And what God does is eternal. And it cannot ever be changed. It cannot be limited and it cannot be it cannot be um, comprehended. And so when we talk about the things of God, they are eternal and they can't be measured. We talked last night about faith that um, we, we read six scriptures together in the book of Matthew that where Jesus tells his disciples, O ye of little faith. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus said those words, because of the limitation of the English language to Greek, Jesus used the word, uh, not necessarily little, that could be used in that way, but he used a Greek word that means short, short. It's on, it's right on, it's victorious, it's amazing, it's earth-moving, mountain-moving faith, but it got short-sighted. And he was talking to Peter that Peter was walking on the water, and as long as he was looking at Christ, he was walking on the water. He was doing something impossible. Yet the moment he got short-sighted, it didn't mean his faith got lessened or that his faith diminished. Or that we used the illustration last night of a dimmer light switch on the side of a wall. It didn't get turned down, but it was something that, uh, that got disconnected from the person of Christ. And so we made the point here is that faith is faith because it's connected and it's occupied with Christ. Okay, do we get that? He is the author and the finisher of our faith. If you don't feel like you have faith today, it's not up to you to have faith. Look at Christ. Just look at him. Look away from yourself. Look away from other people. Look at, away from your pain and what people have done to you or what the system's doing to you or what you've done to yourself. You've got to look away from that and look unto Christ. And just as like the Israelites did in the wilderness when they looked away from the poisonous serpents, and they looked at Christ, they looked at the cross, or the picture of the cross in John 3, they were healed from the poison. And so faith comes by what? Hearing, in, in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, hearing the word of God, I'm sorry, Romans 10 verse 17. 
faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. If you and I ever feel like that our faith is diminished, look at Christ and stop getting occupied with how much patience you have or you don't have, how much love you have or you don't have. Guess what? In ourselves, we have nothing. We are bankrupt. I was reading last night before I went to bed that one writer wrote it this way. He says, we have to declare bankruptcy in ourself. Have you ever declared bankruptcy? If you have, then you know what I'm talking about. We have to declare bankruptcy in our flesh and say, God, I say to the creditors, who are the creditors? It's the law. It's the, it's the impossible law of Moses. It's the, impossible, it's the impossible righteousness of God. We have to declare bankruptcy and say, there's nothing in me that can even approach the righteousness of God. And we have to declare bankruptcy because until we do that, we are trying to find faith in ourselves. And God has, and as long as we're doing that, and we, we, you, we've grown up, I mean, some of you have grown up in a very religious culture where, where we, like Brandon said, you've heard, um, uh, you, you, you can do this, you got this, but we don't got this, and we're not in control. And God has to continually show us we are not in control of our life and that we desperately need God, and it's okay to declare bankruptcy. And somebody, you know, when you declare bankruptcy, the temptation is to feel like, okay, I'm, I'm bad, I'm just whatever. I'm a, just, you know, no, that's not the point. When we declare bankruptcy in the flesh, we are actually heroes of the faith, Hebrews chapter 11. And it's great. It's like, I don't have anything to offer God. And so we were saying last night, faith, the only thing that I can give God that God asks for in, Psalm 20, in Proverbs 23, 26 is our heart. And that means the center of our affection. It's like, God's just like, look at me. It's in Isaiah 45, and you will be saved. You'll be delivered. Just look at me. You'll be delivered from whatever's going on in your life, the fears, the insecurities that we all face on a daily, hourly basis, right? Amen. And so we said that last night, that faith is not measurable. You can't have a lot of faith or a little faith. Either we have faith or we don't have faith. And if you don't have faith, uh, it's fine. We're going to read this in a minute, but... And it's okay to say, like, like, Lord, I am in an unbelieving state right now. I'm in an unbelieving state. And we're going to look at this in Mark 9 just for a second, and then we're going to wrap it up. Faith is not something that you have a lot of or a little of. The, the disciples, after Jesus said um, in Matthew 17, unless you forgive your brother 70 times 7, you know, like, and unless your, your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, and I know I'm mixing a couple verses up there. And then the Peter replies, and he goes, and Peter's like the spokesman for the disciples. He's like the guy who says what everybody else wants to say, but nobody's got the guts to say it. But Peter says it. He goes, Lord, increase our faith. You ever have a situation like that? Where you're thrown into a situation with your business or whatever, and you're like, God, increase my faith. I don't have what it takes to do this. And I don't know how many times I've been in a place, and I've said it to my wife or said it to maybe one of you people here. Like, I don't know if I've got what it takes to do this, you know, and even on a micro level. And when we have that, when that happens, uh, Jesus says to us, it's not the amount of faith you need more. It's not you need more because that's 3D, three-dimensional thinking. God's calling us out of that into eternal thinking where, where he says, if you've got faith as a grain of a mustard seed, and it's a small seed and it's an amazing tree inside of that mustard seed, he says it's enough to move kingdoms, to move mountains. It's enough. And the question is not how much you got, it's just, do you trust him? And maybe you don't have the, and this is what we said last night to Ethan and Lauren, is that like faith is not emotional. It can be, but it's not predominantly emotional. Okay, remember that, please. If you don't feel emotionally on fire for God, 
it's okay. It doesn't mean that you're not in the faith. It, it just means that your emotions are starting to catch up to the truth of who you are in Christ. And our emotions are like a little kid. They need to be led. They need to be instructed. They need to be guided. They need to be sometimes disciplined. And we need to speak to our emotions like David did in Psalm 43. Uh, why are you cast down, my soul? Knock it off. Just look unto Christ, and he will be faithful. And so faith is not emotional. Faith is faith. It is how many emotions did you, what kind of feelings did you have when you sat down in your chair? Like when Derek sat down in that chair, what, what, was, ex, what was he experiencing emotionally? What, was, was, he, was, he, was he spending hours analyzing the chair? Uh, he fig, probably figured it because it's a chair in my house. Look, it's trustworthy, right? I don't know. Um, but when we sit down, how much thought is going into the thing that we're sitting or when we get in our car? Um, you know, how much thought are we putting into what we're sitting in? And that's faith. We just, there is this bottom line assumption that God can be trusted. And that's, and there's not a lot of emotion, maybe not even a lot of thought. And so sometimes when we take steps of faith, Brandon, when we take steps of faith, sometimes there's like, it's not impulsive, but it's like, hey, are we going to Florida? Okay, we're going to Florida. It's like, you know, so... I just want us to go, so I want to go, so faith cannot be measured. It's binary. It's either there or not. It's digital. It's on or off. It's not a lot of faith or a little faith. It's either faith or no faith. It's I'm walking in the spirit or I'm walking in the flesh. And if I'm in the flesh, rebound out of it. Just say, hey, I'm in the flesh right now. If you're, you know, if you're with someone and just say, you know what, I'm in the flesh right now. I need to, I need to, I need to bounce out of it. 1 John 1, 9. I need to repent, change my mind, get and just surrender to the Holy Spirit and just get caught up in the, in the, in the river of God as it's moving on. And so um, Jesus, when he's using this word little faith, he's not saying you got a little bit. I need more faith. He's saying, no, it's short. You got it. It's awesome. You're walking on the water, Peter. That's amazing. That's incredible. Yet you got short-sighted. So let's not, let's not get tripped up on the things in front of us. Um, Let's keep our eye on the prize. Let's keep our, and, and run the race. I want to finish with this. <coughs> Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Let's look at this together. And we read here uh, in verse 14 about, um, and I wanted to hit a point that we're making yesterday and we'll close. And when they came to the disciples, verse 14 of Mark chapter 9, they saw a great crowd around them and the scribes arguing with them. So here's the disciples. There's a crowd growing, and they're arguing with the scribes. The scribes were a group of individuals, religious. They were part of the religious mafia of the day, racketeering religion and righteousness. And, um, and the scribes were saying, why, why can't... And the situation was that the disciples could not cast out a demon that was in a little child. And they couldn't cast him out. And the scribes were like, well, why can't you do that? And you, they're like, there's this... And Jesus is not there. Jesus is not in this conversation yet. And there, Jesus shows up and he says, what are you guys talking about? What are you questioning? It says, what are you questioning about it? And um, they said to, the scribes said to Jesus, your disciples could not cast out this demon that was in this child that would at times throw the child in fire, throw the child in water, and then sometimes um, would starve the child. And the point to make here is that there is demonic activity today. And unfortunately, because of the lack of healthy teaching, it's either extremely discussed 
or it's ignored. And I think that part of this looking unto the unseen series, I do want to talk about our angelology, what are angels and what are demons, and what is our position in Christ? It's, it's over them. We are over them. And so this demon here is plaguing this child. Now, do we have demon possessions today in, 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 um, in people? I'm, I'm sure we do, but you know something? Our society is so medicated. It is so dumbed down, and we are so distracted, and we're so, um, we are so deluded that you don't see the violence of it many times as you would see like in a third world country where there's, where you don't, demons, demons don't have anything to hide behind in these, in these cultures, like third world countries where it's just so apparent. I think in our American culture, demons have a lot of things to hide behind and you don't see them. You just see objects and idols and, and you just see these objects that we put so much value into. And Jesus says to his disciples, he, he sees them. He asks the father, he asks the dad, how long has this been happening? Now, Jesus didn't ask that question because he didn't know the answer. He wanted the crowd to understand the timeline here, that this is a long time, that this demon was in this child for an incredible amount of time, causing an incredible amount of pain with his parents. And, um, and so Jesus uh, asked, and then the father says uh, in these verses, he cries out at one, and some of the, some of the newer, some, some translations say that uh, he cried out with tears and strong pleadings. Others say that he cried out. The idea is the same, that this father was at the end of himself, and he had, no other, he had nowhere to turn. Uh, the demonic possession in this child was the type of demonic activity that it was stubborn and would not go away. It was, un, it was described as an unclean spirit. And... Jesus said, he hears this, and the father says, if you can, let's read the words, what he says here. Where is it? He says, um, uh, I was reading my, in my old Bible with the red letter edition, so I'm trying to, 22, 922. He says, oh, faithless generation, verse 19. What does that mean? Faithless in the Greek is apistos, which means no faith, zero faith. It's on or it's off. This is a generation. And we live in a generation that is right now, um, that is, that is like that. And so he says, "Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I? How long am I to bear with you?" And Jesus is not saying you guys are such a burden. He's saying, the word "bear" here in the original means that it's what the clouds do when they're not raining. It's like they're they're bound up. There's so much rain in those clouds, but it can't rain. God has got so much He wants to do, and it's like He's ready to do. It's like I mean. Heaven is ready to open up, and, and yet he said there's a generation that's just functioning in self-occupation and technological predictions. And he said, how long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and the spirit saw him. Immediately it convulsed the boy and fell on the ground and rolled about. I do want to talk about why, I want to talk about at the right time what, what demons are and why they do this. And, um, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, etc., etc. And he says, but if you can do anything, in verse 22, if you can do anything, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if I can, like he ex- explained, there's like this exclamation here. And, in the, and, and one commentator brings it out like this, that Jesus uses a play on words here, like, like the man says, the father says, if you can, and he uses a word for power there, which is 
dunamis or dunato, which, which relates to ability. If you have the ability to do anything, do something and help us have compassion. And that Jesus says, if I have the ability, he said, it's like, that's not the question, if I have the ability. He says, he turns around, he says, and he says, um, he said, uh, uh, all things are possible for one who believes. Now, I want to stop there because if you're from a certain background in, in Christianity, you're going to be thinking, oh, here we go. We're going to talk about, I got to have more faith. I got to work it up. I got to really feel my belief. I've got to take a few days and fast and build up this capacity to believe. And, and Jesus is not talking about this. He's talking about if you would trust me, my ability, my ability, if you would look at me and if you would understand who I am, if you would believe anything is, and the word here possible is in the same, it's the same word is if we could translate it exactly from the Greek, it would be cannibal, able, you're able to do it. You are, you have the ability to do it. And Paul says that to the Philippians. He says, you can do all things through Christ. You can do this through Christ. And so what does the father say? He cries out and he's crying. I can just imagine the scene. The father bursts out into tears. He's weeping. And he says, I believe, you know, I believe. And did he feel the emotions? I don't know. But there was that desperation. Like, okay, I, if it's volitionally, if it's my will or if it's my decision, I believe. But we were talking with this with Brendan yesterday or someone, uh, but help my unbelief. And I, I was thinking about that this morning. I got up and I read through this and he's saying, I believe, but help my unbelief. He said, my faith is on. And it's, and, and, but in, and it's a present continuous indicative, which means, just forget that. But what it means is that it's a, it's a, right now I am in a place where I'm trusting. But there's probably going to be a time in my life where, where, where I am apistos, where I'm on, I am not believing. And guys, we're there. We've been there. Every one of us in this room have been in a place. doesn't matter how long you've been following God or what your, what your position is in the kingdom. There are moments where you are unbelieving. <laughs> we are in a place where we just say, God, I don't have faith. And I'm unbe- I mean, unbelieving. Remember, there's no condemnation at that moment. Because if we start living in condemnation, that we get pushed away. We just back away from... We, the, the devil just pushes us away. He tries to push us away from the love and the, and the compassion of God. But what does he say? And I love these words, but help. And that word there means... It's a beautiful word. It means, to, it means to, when someone is in a place of inability, someone comes and rescues them. It's like someone that's drowning, that's just, they're, you know, they're going to they're gonna drown. A hand reaches in and pulls them out. And, and this man says, but help my unbelief. And he says, my unbelief. And it's really beautiful how he says this. He says, um, he's saying my, and then the unbelief in my life. Those times of unbelief, when I have the unbelief that shows up. And I think that's beautiful because... If we are, if we're in a place where where I am just a pissed off, or I am not believing, or I'm in unbelief, it's okay to confess that to God. Don't get down on your sense. Say, "Oh, you unbelieving you, I'm so bad. I should be." Believe-. Well, guess what? There are going to be times when that happens, and don't condemn yourself, and don't beat yourself up, and don't be separated from the life of God in your mind when those times happen. Understand that that these times will come that we're going to be in a place that is so beyond and that stretches so far beyond ourselves that the emotion is not there. It's okay to say, I don't believe. 
But God help my unbelief. And this is what we read in Romans chapter 8. That when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit prays within us. And what we ought to pray. The, act, the action of God in our life is so proactive in our inability. And it doesn't mean that we camp out in passivity. It just says, Lord, I'm in a place of unbelief. And draw near to the body of Christ. We talked to somebody last night. And they said, it, was, it took everything I had to drag myself to this meeting today. And when she, when she said that to me, I thought, the amount of faith for her to come to this meeting tonight was more probably than it was for me to get in an airplane and fly to China on a mission trip. I mean, for some, for some of us, it's like that. that's what we're facing, internal anxiety or fear or whatever is going on. So I want to finish with that, is that when we're in a place like that, we can cry out to God, Help my unbelief. And guess what happens? Jesus acts. Jesus works. Jesus is ready. Jesus has... And we don't have to accept situations that we're... We, we see there's a demonic possession of that boy there. And people could have said, well, he's been like that from childhood. Nothing's going to change. It's been 15 years or whatever. That's never going to change. It can, God can change something in a nanosecond. And that moment that we don't... That we stop, you know... Are you struggling with something in your life? I mean, I don't know. We have struggles. And don't accept like, okay, oh, I'm always going to be that way. I'm always going to have that problem. I've had this problem for 30 years. No, it's not your problem. It's Christ. He crucified it. Stop calling something that's your problem. That it's, your, it's not your problem. <laughs> Christ took it from you, and he separated you from that. And you're a new creation in Christ, and now you have all the power in heaven. Uh, G- the Holy Spirit is upon us like he was upon Jesus without without measure and without without limitation can we limit god we can we can just say no to god and like you know uh does that mean that god stops working your life no it just god will find the back door and so those are just a few things i wanted to say about faith when we're looking at christ um he's the author and the finish of our faith and when the impossible situations look like we don't have that faith just cry out to the lord and understand that he's going to be compassionate and he's going to work on our behalf. Amen. Can so. Can I just add 